0: Welcome to the Omni Talk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The Omni Talk Fast Five is the podcast that we hope each week makes you feel a little smarter and, most importantly, a little happier too. It is September 30th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm
1: Ann Mazinga.
0: And we are here once again in separate locations to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of retail this week. And I can't take 2021 anymore. Like here I am thinking we're gonna be back in studio on a regular basis. And now COVID has potentially infiltrated my house. I don't know yet. I'll give everyone the update next week, but you know, we're self-quarantined for the good of public health, the good of my business partner. And we're not together. I said, I'm going nuts, man. What, What are we gonna do here?
1: I know this is just, I feel like this is just gonna be like an ongoing thing where we just have back and forth. Like we're gonna quarantine for a week. And it's like, you get a sniffle and you're running to get a COVID test right now. This is not sustainable for parents or children. I, I think it's going to get bad again. Yeah,
0: I can't take it. I mean, I'm like the second parent I've talked to this week that's going through that. And I imagine some of you listening are going through it too, or have been there already. So, you know, my heart goes out to you guys, but, but man, oh God, it's such a wild week. How are you doing? Deal- I got to ask you another question too. How are you dealing with your post grocery shop hangover? How are you feeling, you know, getting back into the swing of things this week?
1: I mean, it's lingering. I'm not going to lie. This was like, you know, anytime you have five days in Vegas, you're going to have some sort of hangover. But I feel like this one was just, you know, getting back into the world again of traveling and everything. It's it's uh, it's lagging. Yeah, yeah, maybe like that's you. what it
0: was. We traveled for the first time, like, and we're just yeah. not used to that anymore. Yeah, I felt the same way. It was, like, it was kind of a tough week to get back into, but, but it was a fun week. The headlines this week are popping, which I can't yeah. wait to get to. Before I do that, I want to give a big shout out. And I don't even know if you know this. Did you know by the end of this year, 300,000 people will have listened to our podcast? And I'm not talking download, because a lot of times people will quote downloads, but downloads is kind of a BS statistic. I'm talking about plays. I'm talking about listens. 300,000 people. And can you believe that? Crazy.
1: Yeah, I cannot believe it. I mean, we just keep putting stuff out. I feel like after a while you don't even look at like the summary of the year. That's really incredible. Thank yeah, you so n- much to our listeners. Wow. I mean, yeah, a huge thank you. Like
0: we started in the basement of my house with Carter and Ann and I doing this and now 300,000 plays later here we are. But The other reason I bring that up for all of you loyal listeners, we actually are going to be making some pretty big investments on the video side of things for next year as well. Uh, We've hired some new services to help us with that. And so if you haven't yet, be sure to sign up for OmniTalk on YouTube. You can search OmniTalk Retail on YouTube. You should be able to find it pretty quickly. But go ahead and sign up because we're going to be putting out a lot of great content in that medium throughout the course of next year. All right. Well, let's get to the headlines. In today's fast five we are going to discuss the giant company launching instant delivery with instacart Hybe testing its own shelf scanning robot great alliteration home goods getting into e-commerce stitch fix trying to reinvent e-commerce can't wait to talk about that one but first we take off with whole foods expanding ten dollar grocery fees nationwide
1: that is right as reported by numerous outlets this week Uh, Whole Foods is now going to reinstate their charge of $9.95, For grocery delivery beginning October 25th this includes those orders placed by Amazon Prime members who previously got free delivery on orders over $35 the announcement comes less than a month after Whole Foods began testing the fee addition in several markets including Detroit Chicago and Boston areas Um, an Amazon spokesperson also told Jeff Wells who broke this story in retail dive that uh, this helps the grocer cover the higher operating costs it's now shouldering for delivery orders without increasing profit Product prices chris what do you what do you say on this one I don't know I-, uh, I I don't know what to make of this
0: actually um you know and I actually went to a good source of mine on this and said hey what what's your take on this and his source was like it's reported that you know they were just having difficulty making delivery work financially even curbside mm-hmm. pickup working financially and so this is their response I don't know though I you know the crazy part about this to me is the math on this gets really wild when you start to think about it. And so, and credit to my friend and mentor, Tim Mantel, who's held a lot of different jobs in retail. Most recently was the chief merchandising officer at Barnes and Noble. He pointed out something really interesting to me. He's like, Chris, check out the check out how much this costs. Right. If you're doing your grocery delivery every week, that's $10, right? So like 500 bucks a year. Then you got to think there's a tip on that, probably 20% basket size, yeah. of 50 to $60. That's a thousand dollars. So if I said to you, Anne, you could have grocery delivery for a thousand dollars a year would you do it
1: oh no way that's crazy it's you wouldn't just, right i mean com- compare that to what is shipped 99 dollars a year like walmart 89 a year i mean granted you're including tips on top of all of that but even if you just go apples yeah. to apples and you're doing five hundred dollars a year versus a hundred dollars a year like that's significant it's
0: it's a really unique perspective that you showed me on by which to look at this. Because, yeah, yeah, I love that you brought up those points because I got to thinking, like, what is my threshold now mentally of what I'm going to pay for this? And I think mm-hmm. you're right. It's, it's anchored at like the $100, $119 for Prime. And so my question now becomes, I'm curious what your take is here, is what do they do with fresh? What do they do with just regular groceries? Because I feel like for them to charge for that just isn't going to happen. It's not in the card. So they're just saying the Whole Foods customer hey, you're rich, we don't care about you, subsidize everybody else, fine, we're done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that's exactly where I was going with this too, Chris. I I was curious if that was actually a test to see, you know, what people would pay for Amazon Fresh delivery, or or kind of figuring out where their threshold is. But again, mm. if you look at Tim's analysis here, if you think about, okay, for five hundred dollars a year, what could I get instead of Whole Foods delivery? I could get a DoorDash membership. I could get an Instacart membership. I could get a Shipped membership. And I could get, you know, a GoPuff membership all for that amount of money and have all of these outlets at my disposal. Like Some there's just
0: door number two, ad
1: Yeah. yeah right. and I mean, <laughs> and, and the thing, the other kicker about this for me is that Whole Foods is still charging you to pick up your groceries. Like you still have to pay two to five dollars to pick up your groceries curbside, which is no way. ridiculous. Wow. If yeah. it's under, sorry, if it's under a $35 purchase, right. but still like there you know target's not doing that walmart's not doing that i just think that you know it's it's important to be testing what the the price point is for delivery i understand that that's a cost that grocers cannot absorb on their own but i think that you know this is not something where you can start at zero free delivery and then go up to 10 you got to go the other okay. way like start at 10 and drop it back down and see where that threshold is instead of <laughs> Kind of the way that they did this, so yeah, it's
0: just really, really bizarre. It, it really is, and like I can't, I can't figure out what to make of this in the long run because it feels like the price has just been so anchored in everyone's head, and then you have the VCs playing, you know, the same game too, or playing their game like they always do. But but it's a great segue too because it ha- it leads us into headline number two, which is that according to Supermarket News, the giant company plans to tap a new service from Instacart to introduce thirty minute, and here's that phrase again, instant delivery. From early morning to late at night for convenience products, fresh groceries, and household essentials from both Giant's Supermarkets and Martin's Supermarkets, which is also a banner under the chain. Now, Giant expects to carry roughly 20,000 items under this program. They'll make them available in the new service, which requires, again, a $10 order minimum and carries with it a $2.99 delivery fee. Now, currently, again, according to Supermarket News, customers can access instant delivery through the Giant and Martin sites on Instacart's online marketplace, but Giant also plans to make it available through Giants and Martin's websites and mobile apps in the coming months as enabled by Instacart's enterprise services. That's something that's entering the lexicon a lot more as well. Now, Ann, I said on LinkedIn yesterday, The instant delivery is a phrase that I had never once heard two weeks ago, and now it is a common part of my vernacular. Is this something that people really need?
1: Okay, I think that's the wrong way to think about this. I think everybody's saying, like, do people really need an onion in 10 minutes? Like, no, of course they don't need an onion in 10 minutes. What I think is... That this is something that grocers and convenience stores need to be thinking about and testing. There's just right. there's no two ways about it. Like I said on LinkedIn yesterday, you know, this next generation of shopper that we're not thinking about. We're all in our heads, you know, like having grown up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. This generation didn't have to wait for the VHS tapes to rewind or they didn't have to wait on a desolate street corner in Superior, Wisconsin, hoping that a cab is going to drive by and take them home after bar close. These people have to wait for nothing. They get their hot Cheetos the second that they want them, and they are just so used to this instant delivery. It's ingrained in who they are, and that will drive the choices that they make about who they shop with and who they continue to build loyalty with as they start shopping for groceries. So I, I think that it's not about, do I need this thing? It's about, Grocers and convenience stores saying, we have to be thinking about this and testing it in some way. Mm-hmm. What is the threshold, again, going back to our last or What will people pay? What's What can we do that makes this model financially feasible?
0: I think I tend to agree with you. I think the other interesting angle to what you're saying to me, though, is, and it, this was pointed out to me by Mark, the always pragmatic Mark Despelville on LinkedIn. Shout out to Mark. Where you almost start to get to the point, though, that if you buy into what you're saying, 30 minutes is too long. Yeah. right? Like that, you know, if I really want something fast, I want it as quickly as I possibly can get it. And so, you know, 30 minutes will get obsoleted over time by that fact. And, you know, his point was there, I've seen that in, in, in England, but, you know, I think that's potentially a really real phenomenon with this clientele that you're talking about, you know, the younger generation or just anybody like what we need and what we want are two different things. Right. And if we're used to getting things quickly, then yeah. And if it's two ninety nine to get it. Right. Like, Yeah. So it it makes me wonder if it gets obsoleted, but I think to your point, which I agree with, and then give you the last word here is like, it it makes sense to be experimenting with this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if it's 30 minutes now it goes less, but at least, you know, 30 minutes matters or at least you can then decide whether to go with a further experiment later, but to do nothing seems kind of foolish right now. So I give a lot of credit to giant for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the founder of yummy who they started doing, um, 30 minute delivery of groceries they kind of did this like this we just kind of take over a neighborhood we put a one fulfillment center in store and then we we only offer within you know a five mile radius so that we can do 30 minute fulfillment because his theory was if I can't get it in less than if you can get it to me in less than 30 minutes then it doesn't save me any time I might as well just drive to the store and get it myself but the right. two ninety-nine element of that do you want to drive to get it into for two ninety-nine in 30 minutes or is it at that point is it worth it because the the cost is lowered
0: right that's a great point yeah so yeah it's a a math game there too in terms of like what's it worth for you to drive to the store and also where do you live like i think that's it's a big part of this story too like you're in an urban center it's a pain in the ass to try to go somewhere in 30 minutes right whereas if you're in a suburban area like we are yeah if i want to just go to the grocery store that's not hard you know if i need to be back in 30 minutes it's super easy but i will say this and this is a good segue too to our next topic but these topics, if you found them interesting, are all the more reason to attend the Manifest Conference in Vegas that's coming in January. Anne and I will both be podcasting from there again and immersing ourselves in learning from over 1,500 of the most influential leaders in logistics and world class insight, and over 200 speakers across 100 sessions. And my personal favorite that's happening at the event there is a hands on quote, off the grid exhibition featuring autonomous vehicles, drones and robots. Wait for it, that comes up in our next topic. We also have a promo code for you where you get $300 off your registration. The link will be in the show notes. So if you wanna attend, it's, it's a show that's being talked about quite a lot. You can use the promo code, get your discount. Link up with us while we're there. Play battle and, bots uh,
1: with us in the off the grid experiment while we're yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we can battle grocery robots. We go to together. robot
0: wars or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but yeah, hope to see you guys there. And want to make sure you guys all knew about that conference. Cool conference coming to you your way, coming your way uh, in Vegas in January
1: all right let's move on to headline number three chris uh speaking of robots hy V is getting on the shelf scanning robot train according to supermarket news they are going to begin to pilot the simbi robotics tally shelf scanning robot at five stores the technology will provide hy-vee with autonomous inventory management and comes on the heels of tests already being done in two stores uh in iowa and nebraska chris we loved the robots for we've loved the robots for a long time but yeah. uh what do you think of this move from hy-vee i love this too
0: i think i think mean, this is a huge sig- signal first you had Schnucks yeah. saying they're going to take tally to all stores now you have hy-vee saying they're going to expand a pilot with tally and those are two of, if not the best regional grocers in America that are getting on the robot train. Mm-hmm. And I think that says something. It's, it says a lot about what's here because the immediate impact is quite quantifiable. And I think it comes down to two things. One, it comes down to inventory accuracy. But also, which I think is overlooked a lot of times, it comes down to pricing accuracy. Because as I said before, when I used to run a store, and I've talked about this example a lot, I to tell my store employees the single most important thing you can do that day is put a, sign, a promo sign on a shelf and make sure they're there. Because as soon as you put that sign on the shelf, sales are going to go up at least twenty percent from that one action. Wow. You can do anything else you want during the day, probably not going to have that same impact as that one simple step. And a robot helps you understand where that's not working correctly, both from an inventory side and a pricing side. So. So I think you're just going to see more of this in the long run. And I know you, because you talked about on stage at grocery shop, you're, you're all in on this too, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, these are, these are some big commendable moves from hy V as late. Still not sure about the shop and shop workout equipment components <laughs> of the store, but, uh, but hy V's, you know, their new store in Iowa, the, the fully advanced, you know, mobile checkout, self checkout that they're putting in these new concepts, the robots now. I mean, I think that hy V deserves some credit for, all the investment that they've put into this. These robots, as you mentioned, they help solve one of the foundational elements that all the grocers and retailers who are at grocery shop, who are trying to explore this new tech, including the instant delivery that we were talking about, before they can get into that, or fund that more importantly they need to have a better picture of what's in the stores and the pricing of those items in the store in order to kind of you know have that foundation to build upon and i think that you know the pricing we talked to some robotics experts the last couple of weeks before a grocery shop and that change in pricing that revenue that they can get from just having accurate pricing is significant and significant enough to fund some of these other r d projects i think right. that grocers are wanting to go after to stay competitive so i i love this great move hyvee you
0: know what else i love about the story and these are two Midwestern grocers heck yeah, who, who are saying, this is what we think matters from an innovation perspective, where we haven't seen this type of thing on the coast.
1: Right. And so the
0: Midwest, which is our show, its roots, to tear to say, You betcha. look, here's what freaking matters. And we're going to go and do it. Right. Regardless of what everyone thinks and all the talk in the media that kind of slights robots and everything, we're actually going to go and do this and we're going to make something of it. So kudos to them for doing it and pushing the innovation from the Midwest out, which is Quite frankly, probably needs to happen a lot more often. All right, to that point, headline number four this week is that HomeGoods has finally launched an e-commerce experience. According to Retail Dive, a new store online launched with a, quote, curated selection of bedding, bath, kitchen, seasonal decor, pet and storage products. And the company also said new finds would be added regularly and the online store would soon expand, including through new gift and festive decor products, end quote. That was a long quote, Ian. And does this make you want to shop home goods more than ever before?
1: No, it doesn't. Because for doesn't. me the oh, real wow. solve the real really? solve for me and for home goods would be getting to the point where you can show me or I can have visibility into the products in my local store and I can do buy online pick up in store. Like that's what I want a home goods e-commerce store. I I don't know, and I mean this is really your wheelhouse, Chris. I yeah. I, I want to hear what your thoughts are on this because you have the background in home furnishing sales and just what the how competitive the landscape is. Because it seems like this is not. I mean, I looked on the site. It's hard to see why this yeah. is more valuable to me than you know going to Amazon or Wayfair. But what I mean, do you think it's val- I mean, do you think it's it can contend with those guys?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are to what I'm about to say too. But I think. I mean, here's, here's what, at the 30,000 foot level, I don't hate that they're doing this, Yeah. right? I think it's good that they're finally getting into the game to try to understand what it is. But I think where I agree with the, the theme of what you're getting at is that I don't like how they've done it.
1: Hmm.
0: When I look at the site, I feel the exact same way. I'm like, what is compelling about this? Like, it doesn't have that much assortment. It's not super easy to navigate. It feels like every other garden variety home furnishing thing out, like it to me it felt like a lot like shopping Pier One again, which right. I, no one, no one needs that again. So I would have actually taken a different approach and I would have made mm. it more store-centric from the get-go, okay. which I would have said, like, how do we light up everything that's happening in the stores via e-commerce? So like make it very localized. So, you know, can I shop my specific store for pickup, for shipment from store, for reserving items, whatever it is. And take the time and the investment to build that out right. I worry now that you're going down the traditional e-commerce road, where it's going to be so hard to unravel that this is going to amount to nothing, because like you're right, it's just you're, the home first is such an assortment game, and you're just competing against a really crowded space. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really get it. Yeah, I Um,
1: I think that's really smart, Chris. Like you're saying almost, is it that, you know, you want somebody to help you navigate the treasure hunt to like give you both the online and offline treasure hunt? It's still exciting when you find that thing online, but then you know, you know this store near you has two of those chairs and then the other two you can get from another, you know, store that's nearby, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. I think that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really hard to do when you start thinking about the inventory implications of that to make the system sync up. But now's the time to invest in that, right? Because you've never done it, you've never felt it's necessary. Playing, just keeping up with the Joneses, though, doesn't make any sense to me uh, as the alternative.
1: Right. Well, but they do have curated assortments by HomeGoods. Chris, is that right? they they are
0: curated? Yes. Yes. And they do try to show me a comparison price that is based on hardly seemingly nothing like, oh, you can get this for this at this price. It seems like Cole's pricing again. But anyway, oh, um,
1: speaking of curated assortments, Chris, I'm going to take us into headline number five. Oh, God, here we go. This one. I mean, I read this headline and I thought it was from The Onion. I didn't realize (laughs) it was an actual headline. Stitch Fix is pivoting to sell more clothes directly to customers. CEO's next step is to spread the word like, oh, no shit. That's, is the, that headline, which, that was that's the headline? That's the headline. That is oh actually published by a retail industry news source. Um, so according to, <laughs> according to CNBC, <laughs> no, Stitch Fix has opened its direct buy option to the public, meaning customers do not need to be a subscriber in order to purchase individual pieces of clothing or shoes from its website. Again, meaning, yes, they should probably spread the word about that if you're not a Stitch Fix customer. <laughs> it's a shopping experience that they are calling Freestyle, and Stitch Fix hopes really? that it will boost profitability in the long run. Stitch Fix CEO Elizabeth Spaulding told CNBC it will take some time, again, for consumers to know that it's out there. This Are they just setting themselves up for failure? This is crazy. Yeah. But Chris, as you'll notice, we have not had our put you on the spot question from AM yet. Oh, and great. So this yes. is coming at you because it's I right. know that you love, love customized clothing from Stitch Fix. Um, Chris Anum wants to know Is Stitch Fix move to sell clothing directly to consumers who are not a part of their subscription program an extension of their current model and critical to driving more profitable growth? Or. Will it hurt them as they move away from their core reason to be and now need to differentiate themselves in a broader playing field of fashion retailers, kind of like what we were just talking about in the last one?
0: Yeah, it's a, qu- wow, a good question. Wow, um, it's a good question. It seems like Stitch Fix makes, makes our list of topics pretty regularly because like, it's it's been very comical actually to watch this unfold over the last you know year, year and a half. I don't know. I think, does it hurt their current line of business? I don't think so because that doesn't really feel strong and I don't feel like it cannibalizes that in any way. I sure. feel like you can do both of those effectively well, I think. I'm curious to see what you think too, hand but but I just have a lot of questions about what's going on here in general too, I, I would add. Like, first of all, from the CEO's perspective, she's been on the job, I think like a hundred days or something like that. Her background is really interesting to me. She was like a lifer at Bain for 22 years as a management consultant, which I think is interesting in juxtaposition to a and and the question too. But like, you know, that's not exactly the pedigree, you know, Specifically, to turn around and run a brand new e-commerce company in a lot of ways. I mean, she's right. probably a lot of exposure to that, but like, you know, it's just it's just in, it's an interesting hire to me. I'll just say that, and I'm curious <laughs> your take there too. Um, and as a result of that, the the move kind of smells like a consulting move to me in huh. a lot of ways. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to come in and broaden out our e-commerce assortment. You know, we're going to use our data and our data science capabilities that we've touted forever with our stitch fix box, to be able to serve up, you know, more goods to customers, which seemingly is kind of stalled out. Um, it just seems like something just right off the tree from like a management consulting 101. And so then the part I have is like, you're going to reinvent e-commerce for clothing. Like, are you really? Um, or did we already do that? And it's called Instagram, you know, which is your line really. I think I stole that from you. So I, I don't really get this. I, I, it's okay I, I, it's just another canary in the coal mine for me which i've said a lot of times on this company but what do you think what you am know
1: I, I, I almost gave up after the headline chris but i dug into it last night yeah yeah i'm sure you. Found i'm gonna cool shock stuff. you but i actually okay. like this experience better than the stitch fix concept in the first place now it's well, not <laughs> it's not likely as going to be as profitable because well i don't know it's kind of hard like they're paying to ship product and but i mean because the product is not in my home and now I have the onus is on me to return it if I don't want. And I think lots of people just ended up like keeping tons of stuff that they never ended up wearing. But for me, I mean, this experience is pretty cool. You still are getting a unique experience on a a regular shopping site of like, here's one blazer. And now it's showing me like 15 other outfits that I could pair it with based on all of this data that they have about me, you know, continuously evolving as I'm shopping. So if I were Stitch Fix, I'd actually start looking at licensing this as like a SaaS play for other retailers, like who sell the same product. The product that Stitch Fix has is not unique to Stitch Fix. I think like I just uh, walked through the new EverEve store. They have a flagship store that they just, built in, in Edina. And I think that if you were to license that technology to an Evereve where they could use Stitch Fix, like Stitch Fix and Evereve come together, and you can help me like find items within the store and then bring that down to my local store so that I have the option of getting that today if I wanted to versus you know waiting for it to be shipped to me, or if I wanted to try it on that day and take it home. I think there are some other like partnership plays that I'd be exploring here before I just said, I'm going all in on Stitch Fix e-commerce.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And actually, when you look at the CEO's background, I think she's an advisor to like a fashion data science analytics company too. prior in her background. So that kind of fits in the mold of what you're saying. But but I don't know. That feels like a diamond dozen to me too. Like there's I mean, we go to the trade shows all the time. There's thousands of companies that are playing in that space. So
1: there are. Uh, I think they do it. I think that they I was surprised at how well they did it though. I will say, based okay. on me and you know, coming in and trying it yeah. again for the first time after several years, okay. I think that it it could have some potential. But again, then you get into acquisition costs. Like, how are they gonna find people? I have to do this because I'm a retail <laughs> researcher, but how are they gonna get you know, like fifty of my mom friends to get back on this bandwagon and jump back in i it's gonna be yeah, but, tough
0: yeah but you're 10 you know like mickey jackson always said you're thousand people and so maybe you know it caught you maybe it'll catch other people and it'll catch on you know yeah it's hard it's 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 hard to say but i think net net to a ms question which was a great one yeah i think it's fine for them to explore i mean it doesn't seem like there's a lot of risk to me on this one and i think you'd agree right Ann?
1: yeah we'll see what the omni talk effect is on stitch fixes business maybe we're <laughs> Maybe we're bringing more people. In. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. They listen to
0: the podcast. They're like, ooh, Anne's on to
1: something. I need to try that. Oh, it out. Uh, Chris, let's close it up. Are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. All right, Chris, question one. Dave. Portnoy, self-proclaimed stool Presidente. There's oh, a terrible poop joke in there somewhere. Uh, the stool Presidente of Barstool Sports is launching a ghost kitchen concept with food trucks and restaurants. If his restaurant Barstool Bites and Buffalo Wild Wings are right next door to each other, where do you think fans are going to go? Oh, I think they'll
0: for sure go to his restaurant over yeah? at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, those those fans are so rabid for that guy. Oh, it man. is crazy.
1: I know my husband will be there too. Really? he? Loves right, the, and- he loves the foreplay guys. He does. All yep, right. Yeah. Question
0: number two, the iconic white star on the big red sign of budding Macy's Herald Square flagship store in New York could be replaced with the Amazon smile unless the department store can prevail in court against those who control the billboard. and your thoughts?
1: I love this. Talk about an omen. This is like perfect, Macy's. I'm sorry, but the big smile is about to take over.
0: <laughs> this is such a great story. God, I made me laugh so hard this
1: week. Oh, God. All right, Chris. Question number three. Etsy launched the Etsy house, the first interactive AR experience that allows shoppers to walk through a digital home filled with curated Etsy items. Which of the following items that's featured in the house is a must have for the Walton household? A $7,800 dining table that instead of chairs has six swings or a dog treat advent calendar?
0: Well and I will say there is no swigging in the wall in the household, (laughs) so I'm gonna have to go with the advent calendar.
1: Oh, Ginsburg will love that.
0: Yeah, right. And Albertsons announced this week that it is jumping headfirst into the live streaming pool. What celebrity chef would you most want to preheat your oven?
1: Oh man, um, I would have to pick the uh, top chefer from uh, Minneapolis and Saint Paul, Justin Sutherland. That's Rouse. that would be S- my S- my choice. I just S- he's, S- he's got some, a swagger that I just can't deny. Yeah, he could
0: preheat my oven too. Yeah. All right, happy birthday today to Monica Bellucci. Kieran Culkin, and the woman who is always welcome at our party of five, and Lacey Chabert. And also, I say this with great sadness, a sad farewell to Tommy Kirk, the former Disney star who gained fame fame in movies like Old Yeller, and one of my all-time favorite classics, The Swiss Family Robinson. He passed away at his home this week in Las Vegas at the age of 78. Now remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day, and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.amitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in, and please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And remember, subscribe to our page on YouTube as well. And of course, be careful out there.
1: The OmniTalk Fast 5 is brought to you with the help and support of the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities towards their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And take off. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate their robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit Takeoff.com.